0: I know Pastor Casey said it once, i got to say it again though, if this is your first time at Meadows Church, we really want to say welcome home. We're super excited that you're here, super blessed that you would join us. Um, we're in a series called Mentally Messed Up, and we're just acknowledging that we're messed up and that we need help and that mental illness is real. And i got to start uh, today with a story, because I don't know if you ever find yourself in an uncomfortable conversations, I seem to have a knack for them, um, my first job I was, I think, a freshman, yeah, probably an eighth-grader freshman in high school, and uh, lived in a small town, 1,200 people, and uh, it was at a grocery store, a small mom-and-pop grocery store in our town, and I was a stock boy, but I wasn't just a stock boy. I felt like I was really just the epitome of customer service there. I wanted to really help people and love people and walk with people, so I knew the store in and out. I knew the aisles. I knew what was in them. I knew how to help people, and I'll never forget the Saturday when a woman came in, a woman that i Never met before, and I knew a lot of the customers that shop there. Didn't know this gal, though. So she comes in, and I knew she wasn't familiar with the place because she was kind of looking around and looking through the aisle. So I knew she was looking for something in particular, and I'm like, this is my opportunity to shine. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go, and I'm going to help this woman. So I walk up to her, and I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm Monty, and I'll, can I help you find something you're looking for? She goes, ah, oh, no. She kind of is timid about it. She's like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. And I'm like, no, no, no. Let me, I said, let me help you. And she's like kind of quiet. She goes, okay. She, and I said, what are you looking for? She goes, well, I'm looking for uh, sanitary napkins. And I said, oh, my gosh, I know exactly where that stuff is. I said, come over here. I'll take you to aisle three. And we go through all the paper products. And I show her I mean, I'm like, paper towels are here, picnic napkins, uh, 2 ply napkins, 3 ply napkins, uh, printed napkins. I said, we got them all. And she is shying away from me. I'm, like, loud, and she's, like, like, backing away, like, uncomfortable. And I'm like, I don't get it. What's going on? She goes, well, I don't think this is the right area. I said, ma'am. This trust me, I know this is what you're looking for. And she's basically saying, no, it's not. I said, you know what? I will not rest until we find these napkins you look up. You look for. And she's like, and I'm going, she's like, it was uncomfortable. And all of a sudden I feel a tap on my shoulder. And the woman I work with is like, Monty, I'm like, yeah. She's like, Monty, get up, get up to the front. I'll help this woman. And I'm like rude. You know what? So whatever, I walk up to the front, and I get up there, and then two minutes later, they come up, and the woman puts her product down, and I'm like, I thought you were looking for Oh, yeah. So I learned something that day. I also wasn't quite as assertive with my customer service going forward after that. It just was uncomfortable. But the reason I share that is because when we get uncomfortable, um, I think a lot of people get uncomfortable about what we're talking about in this series called mental illness. And I don't just think that, I know that. And why do I know that? Because I've researched this topic for you and for me so we can learn about how this is impacting our society. And I'm telling you, like 84% of people today said they'd be very, very uncomfortable talking about their mental illness with their employer. And you might be like, well, yeah, yeah, I get that. It's kind of a private thing. But the same people, 56% of those people said they'd be uncomfortable talking to a friend, a close friend, or family member. So what does that tell you? That tells you that over half the people aren't comfortable talking to anybody about their mental illness. This is exactly why we're doing the series. This is exactly why we would do a series called Mentally Messed Up because we deal with it. And why would we talk? I mean, if the world's dealing with something and it's actually not getting better, but it's getting worse, like depression uh, grows by 20%. Like 20% more people are clinically depressed than the year before, okay? It's trending up, not down. So if something is impacting people, our friends, our family, our children, us, me, why in the world would we as the church not talk about it? I mean, I want, I, want to, we want, I want God to change me. I want God to do something in me. I don't want to just hear some message I don't get and then leave and check church off the list. I want, I want to get better in my head. I want to help my kids, my friends, my family. And God's got so much to say about this topic. But it's not getting better. I told you about the 20%. I'll tell you this. It says depression is among, the lead, is among the leading cause of disability in the United States. Depression. In 2017, when this study was done, it said the United States suicide rate rose to the highest rate it's been in 50 years. Okay? It's not getting better. It's getting worse. So it, we need to look at it. It's real, and it's in, our, it's in our families, and it's in our community, and it's in us. Man, if you're new, we started this series two weeks ago, and we're looking at factors. And we said there's like five factors that impact us mentally. There's more, but we just, for the series, we're saying, okay, we're looking at five. And in week one, we looked at our condition. Like, we're broken, Right? I'm a broken person. I, I'm a sinner. I mess up. The world's fractured with sin, and that impacts us. Last week, we, we looked at chemistry, our chemistry, our makeup. Everybody's wired differently. You're unique. Say, I'm unique. You're, unique. you're unique. God made you one of a kind. He broke the mold. But that uniqueness means we're, we got flaws too. And this week, so we looked at condition, chemistry, and this week we're looking at connections. Because look up here who you're connected to matters. I, you've heard it said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? That means my friends from years ago are probably in jail today because I I wasn't a good friend, okay? So I'm just saying, who you connect with matters. And who you connect with has an impact on you mentally, big time. Emotionally, big time. So we're looking at connections. And I titled it Created for Connection because you are. You're created to connect with others and if you're taking notes, that the first line, connection, is what we're saying. Connection. So, turn to your neighbor and say, we were created to connect. Tell your neighbor, we were created to connect. Okay, well, you were. You're right. It, I always kind of get nervous when I say stuff like that because there's always somebody that's going to take it too far, right? Normally, it's a guy. Normally, it's a guy. Like, you'll be in the bar later this week. Hey, baby. You know what my pastor said? You and I. Created to connect. You know what I'm saying? She'll be like, Yeah connect my knee with your groin but anyway don't just don't take it too far okay just but we were created to connect for community for relationships but do you know what mental illness will do mental illness will it isolates isolation for somebody that struggles with addiction or mental illness it is it is one of the most dangerous things is you will isolate and it's exactly what the devil wants you to do which is why we have a message called Created for Connection. Not isolation, but connection. And you might be thinking, well, pastor, when it comes to connections, we're more connected than ever. Look at technology. Look at social media. Look at how we have all these opportunities to connect with you and I and I with you. And I would say, we are more connected than ever, but yet we're more lonely than ever. Aren't we? And I'm not, I'm not anti. I got Facebook. I got Instagram. I'm not anti-social media, Okay. Unless you're posting pictures of your cat in a tutu, okay? That I got a problem with that. Okay, you need to knock that off. But uh, so, but I'm not anti-social media. So there's people in our church that met through websites that that, that got married. I mean, it's a, it can be the the start of a relationship, and we've got we got those stories and they're awesome. But I think for every good story, we got crazy stories too. You know, the stories that don't go so well, like Jim, Jim, a guy who met Jackie online. And they they hit it off. Their profiles matched up perfectly. They liked the way each other looked. They liked what each other were interested in. But uh, they finally decided they had to meet because it's about relationships. But Jim had to travel three hours to find Jackie because she lived a ways away. So they decided to do it and they're excited and Jim travels three hours to meet Jackie. Gets to the restaurant and all of a sudden he's waiting for her and this this kind of burly woman comes up to him and she's like, hey! And he's like, like, I'm sorry ma'am. do I know you? She's like, it's me, Jackie! I'm like, He's like, you're not Jackie. He pulls out his phone, looks at the profile, he said, this is Jackie, and this is not you. She said, no, 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 I, that's, that's me. He said, that's not you. She's like, well, you know brush-ups and touch-ups. Up, touch He's like, brush-ups? This is identity theft. Like, like, you have a mustache. This is not you. And she's like, I'm sorry. And he was ticked. Drove three hours, but he said, you know what? This picture looks nothing like you, but I drove three hours. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to the bar. You're going to buy me drinks until you do look like this picture. And then you know, we'll see how it goes. I don't know. I don't think that ended well, actually. So, uh, but I'm just saying, social media isn't the enemy. It's a tool that we can use. But everything in moderation. A study was done as I researched for this. It looked at uh, young adults. First of all, I'll tell you that young adults 10 years ago, 12% of them use social media. Okay? Today, 90%. So that's changed dramatically. Teens. Look at teens for a second. The teen suicide rate, I want to get this right. Teens that spend five hours on social media a day, which is a lot, are 70% more likely to have suicidal thoughts or actions than a teen that would spend one hour on social media. So it does impact, right? Social media has been linked to depression and depression linked to social media, it has. It, it, it has been proven. And, and you get it. You look at someone's highlight reel, you look at their life, and then you look at your life, and they're posting the best version of themselves, and you can start to think that's reality for them all the time, and it makes you feel worse about yourself, and you spend all this time on social media, and you pretty soon half the day is gone. And dep- it, it, it is there is a there is a studies that say there is a definite correlation. When does social media take off? Well, in the mid-2000s, like 2007, 2006. 2007 to 2015, the suicide rates for teen girls... Doubled, reaching a 40-year high, just in the rise of social media and the rise of suicide. Guys wasn't much better. The same rates increased for more than 30% for teen boys. So why do we say all this? I'm saying this to show you that if I put a, if I put a line for social media, and a line for like suicide for teen suicide, they would skyrocket both side by side. Okay, and I don't think I don't teen, uh, social media again. It's a, it's probably not going anywhere, but actually. Um, we, we just need to, it needs to be in moderation, is what I'm saying. And we really need to watch it, especially with our younger generation, and really as parents, parent them and be with them and help them walk in that. But um, social media really isn't that social, if you really want to think about it. The, the, the term social, I looked it up, dictionary definition right here, needing companionship and therefore best suited for living in community. Okay? Well, needing companionship, relations, and suited to do life together. That's not social media. Social technology was never meant to like replace relationships. It's like meant to enhance it, right? Sharing pictures, learning more. There's nothing wrong with that, but we can't use it to replace relationships. And and by the way, there is no app that will ever fix your addiction. There is no app that will ever fix your mental illness, that will ever fix your suicidal thoughts, your depression. Those are human problems, and human problems require a human solution. That is a fact, and that is why I love God's Word, living and breathing. And we're going to get in it right now. If you brought a Bible or a mobile device, go to the book of Hebrews. Okay, Hebrews is a book in the New Testament. And if you don't have that, if you didn't bring that, we'll put it up on the screen too, so it's cool. But Hebrews 10, go to Hebrews 10. Somebody said, Pastor, I told them once I needed to drink less coffee, and I said I can never quit coffee altogether because, you know, God has a book in the Bible called Hebrews. So if God wants me drinking coffee, yeah, you know, that's that's poor, that's bad, but you got it anyway. So um, Hebrews 10. The author of Hebrews we're not even sure of. We know most authors in the Bible who wrote the books. But Hebrews were unsure. It could have been Paul. Could have been Peter. Could have been Barnabas. Could have been uh, other people. All, but we do know who it was written to: Christians and early Christians, and also to you and I today. And and notice the focus, because the early church was on fire for Jesus in an amazing way. But yet they're already try- trying to stray and do their own thing. And when we stray and we go towards isolation, well, the author knew it was very, very dangerous. Check it out. It says in the, verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. I love that right there. So your God's a promise maker and your God is a promise keeper. Remember that. And his promises are nothing but good for you. We need to remember that. So he can trust to keep his promise. Verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another in acts of love, and good works, action. Acts of love and good works. Verse 25, let us not neglect meeting together. In other words, this is here. Let us not neglect meeting together as some people are doing. So they're already starting to isolate. They're already starting to do their own thing. And the author's like, don't do that. Don't, don't stop doing that. Because if you do, you're gonna be in trouble. Don't stop meeting together as some people have. But encourage one another. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I love that scripture. Repeat after me. Say, presence is powerful. It is. Presence is powerful. You being here, us being together, is huge. And somebody asked me one time, pastor, as the world continues to move towards technology and advancements and the virtual reality, eventually we'll just be doing church in our living rooms, right? Watching it online, and actually you won't. That's impossible because that doesn't line up with scripture or even the definition of what the church is. Now, if you're watching online, I'm, I'm glad you're watching, and that's great. A lot of people can't get, I mean, we got weather, we got stuff, and you go on vacation, so it's a great tool to have. But it doesn't replace church. In fact, watching a message online isn't church. I'm sorry. Downloading your favorite pastor and listening to a message number one, it's not your pastor, it's a pastor. Number two, it's not church, it's a message. Listening to your favorite worship music while you work out, nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. It's not church. See, the church isn't any of those things. The church isn't the building, the church isn't any of that, the church is the people. The people are the church. It is not about some organized religion. The church is intentional relationships. This is the key. This is what I want you to know. It's so we got to catch this. The church isn't the church has been around for 2000 years. Trust me. If Jesus hasn't come back 2000 years from now, it'll still be there. The church ain't going nowhere. But the church is the people. And when the people gather together, there is power in the church. There is power in the church. It's, presence is powerful. I love that. It's why one of our core values, I was talking to a new, a new couple that came in and I was telling them we, we're relational. Like one, We have seven core values. One of them is family. So family means that we do life together. Family also means we're dysfunctional. Family also means we're messed up, right? Is it safe to say we're messed up? I mean, look at your neighbor. They're messed up. Tell your neighbor you're messed up. Okay, they, they already know it, but just tell them. We're messed up. Family's messed up. We're broken. Yes, we're a broken family, but I would attend a church without broken people is a broken church, right? Isn't it? So I don't know. Maybe you walked in here broken. Maybe you walked in here hurting. I'm telling you something today. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Not only are you welcome in this place, you are wanted in this place today. God wants you here. God brought you here. God loves you, and he has an incredible plan for your life. Welcome home. That's what your father wants you to know. Welcome home. Because we're not just going to play church in this church. I want you to know that there's days your pastor struggles and hurts. And I know there are days you struggle and you hurt. And I want to share my burdens with you and you with me and we do life together. Because that's how we get better. And there are people that you walked in here struggling. And you walked in here hurting. And you walked in here desperate. Desperate. But I'm telling you, in times of desperation, God is reminding us that we cannot do life alone. Nor were we created to. We're better together. We are better together. But yet, what does is isol- mental illness do? It isolates. It thrives on isolation. It's how it stays alive. Like, your mental illness and my mental illness, it wants to pull us into a place all by ourselves and just pick, pick away at us, work away at us, and break us down. But... When we allow God to connect us with others, you know what happens? Mental illness starts to lose its hold. It starts to lose its power. It starts to lose its grip. And God starts to do something that only God can do through the presence and the power of his people. It's so key. But isolation, it's such a killer. Take it from a guy who's struggled with addiction in my life. My wife would tell you anytime I'm isolating, anytime I was alone, it was never good never was it good it was always bad and the devil the devil wants you to know he, he wants you to isolate for one thing and you know what else he wants to use to have you do it say fear fear that is right so he wants to give you so much fear about being around other people it's what he will do because because fear breeds isolation and isolation causes fear it's crazy how it works but it's what the devil will use he will use fear all oh, those people they're going to disapprove of you They're going to judge you. They're going to look down on you. They're going to condemn you. This is what he will do. He will do whatever it takes so you don't connect to somebody else in a loving, nurturing, healthy, growing way. It's what he's in the business of doing. It prevents, fear prevents connection. But God wants us to know something that many times you have a purpose. Say, I have a purpose. You do have a purpose. See, the pathway to your purpose is often through your greatest fear. So we're not going to let the devil keep from us what we know that our God actually has for us. Because God has something for you today. He has something for you. He's such a good God. It's why we talk about life groups. And, and, and life groups, if you're new or you don't know, there are small groups at church. Like the weekend, what we're doing here, this is our huddle. Now we're just huddling up for the week. The church really Church really starts when we leave here, doesn't it? I mean, church begins when this ends. That's what I tell people. This is a huddle. We do church out there. We love people out there. We gather in here. We encourage. We love. We learn. But but life groups, these are the small groups that meet during the week. And these are, um, I'll t- I mean, sometimes I need to break it down because I assume people know what they are. I shouldn't assume that. Um, my life group meets Tuesday nights. This is how it would look. We go in there. We gather. There's like eight of us. Some of our life groups meet in businesses or scooters or Ivy, some meet in homes. Right now, mine's meeting in a home doing a study. And we go there, we hang out for 10, 15 minutes, just jam, talk, how's your week, how are the kids, how are you doing, blah, 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 share stories, whatever. After that, we just get into the Word. And normally it's through a book or a Bible study of some sort, but no one's got it all figured out. No one's theologian, no one's a scholar. We're learning together. And we just learn together. We ask questions, it all points back to God's Word. It's always got to point back to God's word. That's where the life is. That's where the truth is. That's where our hope lies. So it always points back to God's word. We do that for the next half hour. Last 10 minutes, pray. You don't have to pray. You don't have to pray out loud or nothing. We pray for each other. Share prayer requests. So this Tuesday, it was crazy, because we're done, and uh, we're doing prayers, and it's prayer time. And one of the gals in our life group, she's on the, she's sitting on the floor And she starts to kind of open up because we get kind of real. I mean, we just, I just don't want to play anymore. I just want to get real, man. I just want to be open. That's how we learn. That's how we, that's how we, that's how we function. And that's how we can trust and love each other. And she's getting real. And she says, this is the anniversary of when I lost one of my best friends. So he's been dead four years today. And she starts breaking down and bawling. She's hurting. So we're just sitting there, we're like getting ready to pray for her, but I love what happened next. As we're getting ready to pray for her, one of the women who was doing life, life group with us, she's sitting on a chair. She gets down off her chair, crawls on the ground next to the other girl who's hurting and bawling, slides up next to her, puts her arm around her, and just holds her. And, and I think about that, I think this connection led to compassion. The connection always leads to compassion, Okay, this is what's huge. People who struggle mentally, addiction, people who struggle in general, let's just get real. We need compassion for one another. And I watched it unfold. I watched the woman get down and show her compassion. And compassion, it always leads to action. It always does. She didn't just pray for from her from up here. She got down on the floor with her. She put her arm around her and she held her. Look at Hebrews 10 24 one more time just so I can just so I can show this to you. Remember, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another through acts of love and good work. Love is action if you don't know. Love is always action. Good works are action. Compassion leads to action. Compassion is messy. See, clicking is clean. We can click on something pretty easily, it's clean. But compassion, I mean, we got people in our state and surrounding states struggling with flooding. Compassion's out there loving them and walking with them and bringing boats to them and food to them and supplies to them. There's some people that aren't in our church right now because uh, he's out doing that. I'm like, that's awesome, dude. Do it. Go do it. Let's do this. Compassion is action. And I watched it unfold in our life group as I watched that woman get down next to the other gal. It's it's incredible. Let me give you one more scripture about it. 1 John 3.8 this is written, of course, by John, one of Jesus' best friends and disciples. He says, dear children, let us not merely say it. Don't just say you love me. Show me you love me. It says, let us show the truth by our actions. It, 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 life groups, what I love about our life groups is not so much that they get together. That's awesome. But, but every once in a while, every month or two, you know what they do? They go serve in the community. Because we can't just learn about Jesus and have some holy huddle and never do something with it. We need to love our community. We need to love people who are broken and hurting. And I'm all about learning God's word, but if we don't take it to the streets, it really doesn't matter. So we got these life groups, and they got outreach champions, and they're picking outreach opportunities. I mean, one of our life groups, it blows me away every month. They go to another church. Oh, I can't remember the name of the church, but there's a mobile food pantry. They meet there. They're there at 6 in the morning on a Saturday, and they're, they're getting food prepared and packed, and people that are hurting and hungry and struggling and maybe homeless, they're coming. And they're, and they're not just handing them food, but they're loving them. They're, they're having conversations with them. They're building a relationship with them. And, they, and it's, it's a commitment. They're there all morning into the early afternoon. And I'm just blown away. I'm like, that's so awesome! It's so awesome. It's got to lead to action. Friday, the message is finished, and I'm just tweaking it and owning it and and, and praying. Friday is always a big day. We're always doing last minute stuff to get ready for this, and so it's always a busy day. And it's it, so I get a text from a gentleman who uh, he was part of this church, then he moved farther away. And, and haven't seen him for a while but we still stay connected and uh, love the guy love him and he reaches out he just had a huge spine surgery so he's at this uh, hospital doing rehab and he, and he so we've been communicating and then he emails me on Friday afternoon and it's busy time right now but, but compassion is never convenient remember that interruptions are never convenient he texts me he says Monty last night was horrible horrible Goes into a description of what happened, how he's hurting, and I knew right there because he didn't. Have, you know what he asked for? Pray for me. Just he said, "All I'm asking is pray for me." And right when he said that, I mean, here's what we're preaching on, and God, right then, you're going there, and it's a it's like 35 minutes from my house, way north, Omaha, and I'm like, God, okay, 35 minutes, I'll be there, 35 minutes back. I mean, that's that's a commitment. I'm like, it's crunch time here. I got, all. and it's like God was just making sure the pastor's on board with what I'm preaching. Okay, Monty, we're just going to talk about it or are we going to do it? All right, God, let's do this. So I grab Ava. I always like to bring a partner with me. She can learn with me. I can learn with her. And uh, I didn't tell her what we're doing. I said, Ava, we're going to go run some errands. So she thought it was going to be fun. But it was she, she came, 13-year-old daughter. So she came with me, and uh, it was amazing. So we drive all the way there. Traffic was horrible. It was 430, like horrible. Took forever. Got there. It was amazing. This guy lit up. We loved him, we prayed, we listened, we prayed, we left, drive home, took a long time, and it was all, it was all inconvenient, and it was all something in my flesh I did not want to really do, I'm just, just being honest. I just, where I was, I was so busy right then, but I knew it was God saying, okay, are we going to just, are we just going to like the post, or are we going to love the person? Are we just going to pray for a person, or are we actually going to pray with a person when we can? Because Jesus says, you'll know my followers, not by how many, how many followers they have, not by how many likes they get, but how much love they gave. In the end, that's really all that's going to matter. Not your followers, not your likes, but the love that you gave out. You will know my followers by the way they what? Love. You will know my followers by the way they love. And if anybody got it right, it was Jesus. If anybody got it right, it was Jesus. Connection, compassion. By the way, every time you see the word compassion in the Bible, in the context with Jesus, it always led to action. Always. Every time. I'll show you a few of them. But it led to compassion. And you know what it always led to after the compassion? It led to healing. It led to healing. We're talking about mental illness, right? Well, if, something, if something's ill, we're looking for healing, aren't we? I'm looking for healing in my life. I don't know about you, but I want healing in my life. Connection leads to compassion. Compassion leads to healing. And if anybody knew it, it was a man named Jesus. This, it, I'll show you three quick scriptures. Catch the theme. Catch the pattern. The first one I'll set up for you a little bit. It's found in Mark chapter 1. Um, a man with leprosy, horrible skin disease that there's no cure for at this time comes to Jesus, begging Jesus to heal him. Everybody else would be repulsed by this guy. They would run from him. They would cast him out. They would want nothing to do with him. Kind of like when someone's all messed up mentally and you're like, you know what? You're a mess. You're gonna be a lot of work. It's easier for me just to stay away. It's easy to do that. Jesus never took the easy route. He never did. So the man comes to Jesus and he says, if you're willing, Jesus, you can heal me and make me clean. And look, look what it says, Mark 1 41. moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, Jesus said, be healed. Matthew fourteen fourteen. when Jesus landed off the boat, he saw a large crowd. Guess what he had? Compassion on the people and he healed their sick. Matthew 20, 34. This is when two blind men would come up to Jesus, again saying, Jesus, we want to see. And it says in Matthew 20, 34, Jesus had compassion on them. He touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Jesus made a connection. Jesus showed compassion, and Jesus Christ changed their life. I want to. If anybody wants life change today, if anybody wants healing in your family today, healing in your marriage today, healing in your friendships today, it's available. I'll tell you straight up, it's available. Jesus brought, Jesus planned you to be here thousands of years ago. He planned and purposed that you would be, you're not here by accident. Jesus wants you to know that you get well within relationships. If you remember nothing else I'm staying up here, remember that. You get well within relationships. Within relationships. I should clarify, healthy relationships, right? The, 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 the quality of the connection does matter, by the way, right? I, I don't know about you, maybe it's just my family, but we have a drawer in our house where if you were to open it, there's like... um. 4,700 cell phone chargers in there. I don't know why we keep them. Some are from like 14 years ago. And I don't know, maybe they'll bring that little connection. I don't know, whatever. What, what are we doing? But we're, I'm still buying cell phone chargers. But I'm, too, I'm cheap. Your pastor's a little bit cheap. So I don't buy, I can't buy Apple $25, $30 chargers. Come on. So I buy the ones on Amazon, buck ninety-nine. Well, I'm finding out that the quality of the connection matters. I had it plugged in the other day and it was buzzing off, buzzing on, buzzing off, buzzing on. Going from charging to not charging, charging to not charging. And I pick it up and it's plugged in. And I start texting a buddy and the screen's glitching and going crazy. I I almost had to cast out a demon. I didn't know what was happening to my phone. I'm like, what in the heck? So I unplug it and it stopped. But it was like the cord was had a fire. It was just messed up. My whole point is telling you that the quality of the connection matters. Okay? Because some of you are thinking, well, I'm connected to people i got people in my life, but I would ask you a question, are the people that you're connected with in your life, are they really bringing you towards your God-given purpose? Are they elevating you to the place that God wants you to be elevated? Are are they bringing you closer to Jesus, because there's no middle ground? They're either bringing you this way, or this way, it's the bottom line. God has relationships for you that will bring you up and to the right like you've never seen. And in my life group that night, you guys on Tuesday night, we saw it. Connection led to compassion on the floor. And you know what compassion led to for that young woman? Healing. She walked in broken. She sat in a circle, bawling and crying and, 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 and hurting. You know how she left that night? With a smile, upright with a smile on her face. Healing happens through relationships, it's so key. It is, we get well within relationships. One of the greatest weapons the first church had, the early church, you know what it was? What their weapon was against mental illness? Gathering together and loving each other. It was really that simple. And it's amazing what that can do. It is truly amazing what authentic, real community can do. Because isolation will take you out. Isolation will take you out. Do you know know what the worst form of torture is or the worst form of punishment for somebody who's locked up in prison? They call it solitary confinement. There's a reason that it's the worst that you could get because you're locked in a cell by yourself with nothing but this. And I don't know about you and your mind, but mine, I don't want to be alone with it very long. Okay, I just don't. It's just some things aren't right. And I know myself well enough to know that I need other people. But 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 there's a study. I'll I'll give you one more study here. Did a lot of research. Pelican Bay Prison. A guy went in there. A social psychologist went in there, and he said, 63 percent of the men in solitary confinement said they consistently felt on the verge of impending breakdown. Whereas the guys that were in just the maximum security, four percent of those guys felt it. You don't want to be alone. You don't want to be by yourself. He went on to say that 73% of the people in solitary confinement felt chronically depressed. You know why? Because you weren't created to do life alone. You weren't. You get well within relationships. That's, what, that's, that's, what, that's why I love so much about the Christian faith. It, it, Jesus is a relational God. Like God didn't just like declare his love from heaven, but yet, no, he brought Jesus down from heaven to earth to show his love on earth. And this is what's so amazing. Week one, I said we talked about sin and what that does. Well, sin separates, say separate. It does, it separates us from God. It isolates us from God. It's the exact thing we don't want. But if you're like me, you sin and I've done it and some days I still do it and it separates me. But God, because of our dysfunction and our sin and him looking down saying, you know what? I need a relationship with you, and there's one way to do it. Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. A relational God would send Jesus and say, Jesus, my son, is going to take all the punishment, all the sin, all the dysfunction, all the mess on him, and the cross. That's the gospel. The gospel is a relationship. That's what it is. You get saved within a relationship, within Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Some of you, you have a head knowledge of Jesus. You've always believed in Jesus like like me, but maybe you haven't surrendered like me in my life for so many years. Today is the day that you can surrender your life to Jesus and say that I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he is God's son. I believe he died on a cross and he rose from the dead. I believe God wants me to have a relationship with him, not only to save me from myself, but save me from my sin. And you can have it today. That's why God would bring you here. Do not leave here unless you've made that decision. If you have questions, let us know. But believing, I believed, but even the demons believe. It is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not into religion. I'm not into the whole religion thing. I would tell you neither is Jesus. He wasn't either. And that's crazy to hear. But the problem with religion is religion says this. Religion says, change your life and then you can follow me. But Jesus says, follow me and I will change your life. That's what he wants to do. Come on, God, change somebody today. Oh man, I want God to change me more and more and I want him to change you. You stepped into an arena where you can find hope and healing. Press in. Life group cards on your chairs, the red cards. If you're not in a life group, fill it out. Turn it in. You're just inquiring. You're not signing your life away. Just get more information. I promise you, you won't regret it. I promise you, I promise you, you will not regret it. We have like 15, 16. They keep multiplying. It's awesome. 16 life groups. A lot to choose from. I already told you what they look like. The structure. They're for you. Don't want nothing from you. Nothing. Nothing. Want something for you. What you will get in a life group, I'll tell you, is authenticity. Kind of like from the stage, I'll be real with you. I won't always get it right. I'll say stuff I shouldn't say and let you down sometimes, and I'm sorry. But I'll be real. Because it's only when we get real that we're going to get healed. And, And one thing I love about our life groups is this. It's a place where you can be loved and held accountable. As our church grows, God's hand is on Meadows Church. It's incredible, and it's all him. And our church is continuing to grow and grow. As we grow, it'll be easier to get lost in the crowd, I promise you. You you can if you try or you want. I don't want that. And the only way that we can really hold you accountable and love you in a loving way is through a life group. Because what the life group host or the leader will do is if you ever signed up for a group and say you missed the group and they didn't know you were going to miss, they'll reach out to you and say, are you okay? We love you. Uh, I talked to a life group leader this week, and he told me the story of him doing that with a girl in his group. He said she was blown away. She said, no one's ever reached out to me. No one's ever reached out and said, hey, we missed you. Blown away. Because we love you. We care about you. It's not, we're not mad at you. We love you. We, we truly want you here. We truly care about you. And I tell you, like the guy that I visited in the hospital, it doesn't matter if you go to this church or not. I'll love you. I'll walk with you. I'll do whatever I can for you. God has something for you. But if you're like me, many times we want God to do something different. I want my mental craziness to get better, but I don't want to do anything different. Well, if you don't do anything different, nothing's going to change. That's a lie that we have to stop believing. You want something new? You've got to do something different. A life group for a lot of you would be something different, I promise you. You would not regret it. You would not regret it. See, it's, it's about desire. It's when our desire, say desire. See, it's when our desire, say desire. It's when our desire becomes greater than our disability that we will find hope and we will find healing and we will find life. Does anybody want some life? I do. I want some. We want some, God. Send your favor in this place today. Do something that only you can do, Father. We will give you all the glory. I'm going to pray for you. I love you, by the way. I mean it. I won't always get it right as your pastor, but I love you. And you know who loves you more than I do? Your Father. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not, he's, he's not, he's not disappointed. He's drawing you in right now. He's so in love with you. Accept that love. Accept that gift. He loves you. I'm going to do something that I've never done before, and it's about life groups. And I, I should have done it when we first started them, but I'm learning as I go. If you lead a life group or you're, um, a, you're a host for a life group, I want to bless you and just commission you for a quick prayer. And so I'm not going to ask you to speak. not going to ask you to come up here even, but I do want you to stand real quick. If you lead a life group, Bryce actually is one of the newest leaders of our groups. Life group leaders, I know you're in here. I know you're in here. I'm looking. At, I'll, I'll keep staring at you until it's uncomfortable for, yeah. You know how I make people uncomfortable. I've already shared a story about that. So these these men and women lead groups, and we have more in the first service, and we have more that's serving in kids' ministry right now. They're all over. But I, I just want to say thank you, first of all, for your commitment, your love for, for people and for leadership. And I want to bless you. And this is, as a church, I'm going to ask you to do something. Uh, I ask you to raise a hand towards them, or if you're close, just lay a hand on them, and, and let's, let's pray for them. So please, raise your hand. Raise it towards the leader or on them. And let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for every leader in our church. This is just the tip of the iceberg. There's leaders all over this church, God, and you already know it. As a lot of them are going to be stepping up to lead groups. But God, for the ones that are leading right now, the ones who have said yes to you, thank you for their commitment and their dedication to you. They don't have it all figured out. They don't, they're not scholars. They're not theologians. But guess what they do? They love people in action. They love people they're available and they're there for them and they love them. So God, I commission your leaders to go forth and reach more people in your name, to love more people in your name, to, 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 to teach more people in your name, God, and we will give you all the glory. Equip them, fill them up with your Holy Spirit and your truth so they can pour out into the people that desperately need you and, and they can walk with you and, and talk with you and do life with you because that's what relationships are. Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says, amen. Leaders, thank you. You can be seated, and for the rest of you, I want to pray for you, and I want to tell you that once I'm done praying, and we sing, we'll have a prayer team up here that wants to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything in your life, please don't leave until we can pray with you. Please, we want, we're a house of prayer. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Please don't leave, And, and, and and the cards, those aren't just cards. Those matter to us, so if God is telling you to make a decision or make a choice, Please, those cards are for you, whether you're a first-time guest, filling that out, a decision for Christ, you're surrender your life to Jesus, fill that out, a life, whatever it is, I just want to help you take a next step, because the closer that you get to Jesus Christ, I promise you one thing, the more he will change your life, and he has, he has so much life for you, way more than you know. Father, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. For God, we need you in this place. We thank you so much that Jesus could be the reason that we would have a, even a relationship with you or a chance at it. God, thank you for your teachings. Thank you for the early church and the scriptures that teach us that we, we, we can't do life alone, nor should we even want to. But because of our mentalness, God, and our craziness and our dysfunction, sometimes we do things our way, God, and those results normally aren't good. But then you, then you lovingly lay a hand on us and guide us, not, not in a mean way or a judgmental way, but in a loving, fatherly way. And you draw us back close to you. God, send your spirit to do what only you can do. My prayer for everybody in this place is that they will do whatever you're telling them to do. And God, you will get all the glory. Bless everybody here. Bless their families, God. We give you glory. We love you. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen.